Other people of comparable numbers can lay claim to such an extraordinary catalogue of achievements. One nation, even if it did not consider itself a nation until quite recently, produced the only empire to have united Europe and the greatest cultural transformation in the history of the West, one that shaped our entire modern view of life. Along the way, the Italian peninsula emerged as the preeminent seat of Christendom. No other nation can boast such a catalogue of great painters and sculptors, Leonardo, Michelangelo and Raphael, of course, but also Donatello and Benini, Piero della Francesca, Botticelli, Titian and Caravaggio. And there are others, like Mantegna, who are nowhere close to the top of the list, but who would be hailed as national cultural icons in most other European countries. Then there are the architects, Brunelleschi, Bramante, Palladio, and the writers, Dante, Petrarch, Boccaccio, and the composers, Italy has given the world Vivaldi and the Scarlattis, Verdi and Puccini. St. Benedict, St. Francis and St. Catherine of Siena were all Italians. So too were Galileo, Christopher Columbus and Maria Montessori. Among other things, we owe to their country the Gregorian calendar, the language of music, time zones and double-entry bookkeeping. Italians invented the telegraph, the seismograph and the electric battery. They gave us opera and Venice, the basilicas of St. Peter's and St. Mark's, the Duomos of Milan and Florence, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and the Trevi Fountain. Even if they've not actually visited them, most people know the names of historic cities, such as Bologna, Perugia, and Naples. But there are others scattered across Italy that few foreigners have heard of, places such as Trani and Macerata, Bercelli and Cosenza that house more cultural treasures than are to be found in entire U.S. states. It is a mind-spinning legacy, and one that understandably mesmerizes anyone who goes to Italy. But the picture that visitors take away in their mind's eye when they catch the flight home is, if not misleading, then certainly unrepresentative of Italy's post-classical history. Unrepresentative of the lives of most of the people who have lived in what is now Italy since the fall of the Roman Empire. More illustrative of their experience is the heavily fortified medieval tower that stands just a few hundred metres west of Porta Pia. It was put there in the 9th century and reconstructed between the 12th and 14th centuries. It is one of many that were built into the Aurelian walls and which punctuate them at intervals as they stretch into the distance either side of Porta Pia. For nearly a millennium and a half, the majority of the people we now call Italians lived in territories that were either ruled by foreigners or so tiny or so weak they were perpetually at risk of being overrun by outsiders. Why? For Luigi Barzini, the author of perhaps the best-known portrait of his people, this was the crux of the Italian problem, of all Italian problems. Why did Italy, a land notoriously teeming with vigorous, wide-awake and intelligent people, always behave so feebly? Why was she invaded, ravaged, sacked, humiliated in every century, and yet failed to do the simple things necessary to defend herself? Part of the answer is to be found in Italy's divisive geography. For a start, almost one in every ten Italians lives on an island, physically detached from the rest of the nation. Sicily, the biggest island in the Mediterranean, and with a population the size of Norway's, is quite big enough to be a state by itself. The landscape of the island is as varied as that of many larger territories, sandy beaches and rocky shorelines, precipitous citrus groves and undulating wheat fields are all in their different ways 
typically Sicilian. There is an extensive plain outside Catania in the east and several mountain ranges, one of which has a peak rising to almost 2,000 metres. Even that, though, is dwarfed by Mount Etna, Europe's biggest active volcano, which is more than half as high again. Plans to link Sicily to the rest of Italy by means of a bridge or tunnel go back to classical times. But even though the island is only three kilometres from the mainland at the closest point, none of the plans has ever been realised. Not least in recent years, because of a fear that such a massive construction project could hand a bonanza to Sicily's Cosa Nostra and the Indrangheta of Calabria, the region on the other side of the Straits of Messina. Sardinia, the second biggest Mediterranean island, is a five-hour ferry ride from the mainland port of Civitavecchia, north of Rome, and a ten-hour journey from Genoa. The Costa Smeralda, in the northeast of the island, has become...